Well, bear in mind our previous reading, let us go to Hebrews chapter 11 for our text. And we'll read one or two verses there from Hebrews chapter 11. We'll take up our reading there at verse uh, 23. Hebrews 11 at verse 23. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And so on. Amen. And may God bless to us the public reading of his own infallible word. This evening we want to look at these verses that I've just read from Hebrews, particularly verses 24 to 26. I'm sure they will not be strange to us. I'm sure that in some sense we will be familiar with them, but we wish to look at them and see what we can learn or even remember of them for our edification. The title I'd like to give to the meditation tonight is a choice to be made, a choice to be made. Now let me say right at the very beginning in my introduction, I use that title not in an evangelistic sense. Now it would not be wrong to approach this sermon in an evangelistic sense and to use Moses and the text here to cry out and to call upon sinners and to call upon unbelievers to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. I don't believe that would be wrong, but Moses here, or indeed all of these people in the chapter here were believers. And what we find in this chapter here is examples of how believers exercise their faith during their believing life. And therefore, it's not really in an evangelistic sense that the Apostle Paul writes this, this chapter and uh, the book of Hebrews in general. It would be good for us to just to remind ourselves very briefly why this book was written in the first place. This book was written to professing Hebrew Christians. And these Hebrew Christians had gone through a period of persecution and they were being persecuted for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They had turned their backs on Judaism. And because of that, they had come under severe persecution. Well, the Apostle Paul was going to tell them that more persecution was going to come. And as a result of this, some of them were inclined to consider to go back into Judaism. 
Because after all, when they were in Judaism, when they went to the temple, and when they engaged in all the, the rites of the temple, all the sacrifices, all the acts of worship, there was no persecution, and there was no problem. They could easily just go along with the flow, and everything was hunky-dory as far as their religion and their faith was concerned. And this was a real temptation to these Christians who had suffered, but who were reluctant to suffer again. Well, this book was written to, to remind them principally that what they have in Christ far excels what they ever enjoyed in Judaism. And indeed, if they properly followed Judaism, it should, I'm not going to say automatically, but it should lead them into embracing Christianity. If you would like, Judaism was a nursery school, and from the nursery school they were going on into the, to the high school of Christianity. And therefore the Apostle Paul is giving them warnings, you're not to turn your back on Christianity, you are to carry on, because Christianity far excels Judaism. So that's the background, background. it's not really evangelistically. Therefore we want to highlight uh, maybe four headings from the life of Moses for our edification. And he had a choice to make. And we have a choice to make. Are we going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we going to follow him? I'm not going to say to the bitter end, but are we going to follow him to the end? Or are we inclined to be a bit laid back and maybe going back into the world and not wholeheartedly committing ourselves to Christ and to his cause? We all have choices to make. Moses had a choice to make. Well, four things we want to notice about the faith of Moses. First of all then, the courage of Moses' faith. The courage of Moses' faith. What does the text say? Refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 24, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, this was a very, very courageous move on the behalf of Moses. Why? Well, there's one or two reasons. First reason surely is that Pharaoh's daughter had been very good to him. Pharaoh's daughter saw him. We read it in Exodus chapter 2. And we might say that in a paternal sense she fell in love with him. And it would appear from the scriptures that Moses was an exceptionally pretty individual. He was a bonny baby. And there was something unique and special about him. His parents recognized it and so did Pharaoh's daughter. And when she saw him, she loved him. And she provided for him, as you know. And then the time came, because maybe initially she thought that Moses' mother would bring him up, and then when he was older, he would come into her house and be a slave. 
But no, that was not enough for her. She had so much affection for her that she, was, she wanted to adopt him as her son. And that's what she did. She be, he became her son. We are led to believe that she didn't have any other children. And therefore, her love was set upon Moses. And during the time he was in Pharaoh's palace or Pharaoh's court, whatever he was, he was well treated. His people, the Jews, were not. They were slaves. Moses lived a, a luxurious, special, separated life. He would have had the best that this world could give him at that time. He would have had a wonderful education. He was brought up in a in the probably the most civilized nation on the earth at that time, a powerful nation, and he was there. And Pharaoh's daughter looked after him. He was known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It would seem, therefore, the height of ingratitude to turn his back upon this uncommon kindness that she showed to him. Just imagine it, if someone had been very good to you in your upbringing, you maybe didn't have a good upbringing, there was maybe problems, we don't know, but here, he was so well treated, and now he was going to turn his back on all that, she would have had hopes for him, that he would ultimately be the leader of this great nation. And therefore to turn his back upon all his upbringing, upon all the background that she lavished upon him would seem to be the height of ingratitude. And also, just think about this for a moment, it would seem to, seem to go contrary to providence. You know, we're inclined to believe, although the Bible doesn't say it, but we might touch upon it. We're inclined to believe that Moses knew something about his calling. It's not improbable that God had revealed something to him, that he was to be the one who would ultimately take the people out of Egypt, that he was going to be their leader. And therefore, and some might say providence put him in a wonderful place where he would have plenty of opportunity to do good to his people. Can you imagine it? Here he was, he was a Jew, yet he was in favor with the Egyptians, he was in the court, he was in a place of power and authority, and one day possibly he would be the leader and he would be a Jew. Therefore, could he not be favorably disposed towards his people while in power? And many might say, well, providence has put you there, Moses, and you're going to turn your back upon this opportunity to do so much good for your people. You need to think about this, Moses. Surely, surely God has put you there in order that you might stay there, in order that you might use your influence for good to further the cause of your people. Now this would have been going through his mind, and some would have said to him, stay where you are. You're in a place of influence, and your influence is likely to grow. Don't go against providence. 
And therefore, when we say that he had courage, he truly had courage. Because all of these things, he must have weighed them up, and he said, no. No. This is not my future. This is not for me. And therefore, it was very courageous. Friends, it's no different for ourselves. We're not Moses. We're not living the same environment. We have different trials and tribulations, but there needs to be something courageous in us. When we embrace the Lord Jesus Christ, we take up his cross and we follow him. We take up the cross and we follow him and we align ourselves with Christ and with his cause. And certainly today, it's not easy. Well, some would say it's never been easy, and we would say that's true. But sometimes in history, it might have been easier than other times. Certainly, it's not easy today. And therefore, if we're going to be true-hearted disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, there must be some courage in us. Not so much in ourselves, as we shall see, because what he did, he did by faith. He had faith. That's what motivated him. That's what inspired him. That's what moved him. He had faith in the Lord his God. And therefore he was able to stand out. And he was able to turn his back upon these privileges. And for as far as flesh and blood was concerned, it would have been easy to stay where he was. And he might say to himself, I can still serve the Lord. But no, he was courageous. So his faith was indeed courageous. What do we notice secondly? We notice therefore, secondly, the choice of Moses' faith. Our text goes on, verse 25, for instance, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Here's the choice. Was he going to enjoy the pleasures of sin or was he going to endure afflictions? That's the choice that was before him. He was well aware of the pleasures of sin in the court, in Pharaoh's court. Now we're not to think for one moment that that, that, that is only talking about sensual, sexual experiences. No, we don't think that for one moment. But in Pharaoh's court, it would have been very easy to enjoy the pleasures of sin, luxury, plenty to eat, plenty to drink, plenty of ease, plenty of relaxation, things that can go against uh, the spiritual life. Plenty of that there in the court, in Pharaoh's palace, in Pharaoh's surroundings. And Moses would have been something like an accountant. In his mind, he would have balanced up all of these things. He would consider, well, the pleasures, all that was there for him, servants and food and wine and luxury and all that. And then on the other hand, he would consider the afflictions. He would know what it was like to be 
a slave. He wasn't a slave himself, but he would have seen how his people were treated. And when he put all of these things together, this is the choice he made. He recognized that he could have the, the pleasures of sin, he could have them for a season, or he could have the afflictions also for a season. That's a choice he had to make. That's a choice of, of his faith. The text says when he came to years, this is really talking about when he came to maturity, when he came to discern things, or it could be when he came to his, his height, his time of preference, that time, that time when he was at, maybe at the pinnacle in the court. Here was Moses, the great Moses, at the very pinnacle of his diplomatic career, we might say, or his, his place in the palace. He was now shining up as the leader that would ultimately take over. And it was when he was at his height that he evaluated all these things and he got these things in perspective. And that's when he made his choice, the choice that had to be made. We don't know the exact time when this happened. We read in chapter 2 there about when he went out and he looked upon his, his contemporaries, his fellow Jews. It was maybe then when he made his mind up and the incident that just followed after that when he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave and he took it into his, his own mind to do something about it and he slew the Egyptian. It was maybe then when he really nailed his colors to the mast. Maybe when he went out and uh, he looked at his people. Maybe that's when he made his mind up. But when he committed that act, there was no turning back. He made it clear and evident to everyone that he had turned his back upon the life of the Egyptians. Well, friends, it's the same for the Christian. We have to be clear. We have to be decided. We have to be wholehearted, out and out followers of Jesus Christ. We cannot be half-hearted. We have to make it clear and make it plain whose we are and whose we, who we serve. Thirdly, we would notice the calculation of Moses' faith. The text goes on to tell us there in verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Again, if we go back to the illustration of the accountant balancing up these things, he is well aware that it's not going to be easy to be identified with his people. He knows the difficulties. He knows what it's going to be like. He has not embraced upon this in a light-hearted manner. He has given careful thought to this, and he knows 
what lies ahead, or at least he's prepared to accept what lies ahead. He possibly didn't know everything, as no one does, but he knew fine that the life that he was embracing was not going to be easy. It would be afflictions. But he would rather that than all the treasures in Egypt. In all the treasures in Egypt. He wanted to be with the people of God. Moses esteemed the people of Christ or the people of God above the princes of this world. He loved the cause of God. He loved the people of God. And he was prepared to show it by his actions. Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ above all riches. This was riches to him, to be associated with Christ, to have an interest in Christ, to have an interest in the people who were under God were going to march into the promised land. He wanted to be with them. Moses esteemed the treasure of Christ above all the pleasures of sin. Thinking this through, this is what he wanted. This is how he calculated it. This was paramount to him. It doesn't matter what Pharaoh or Pharaoh's daughter could give him. He wanted to be on the side of God's people. What else then? Well, fourthly, we might notice the confidence of Moses' faith. The confidence of his faith. Because it goes on to say there, at the end of verse 26, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. We said it earlier. What motivated Moses? Well, this chapter is all about faith. The opening verse is in Chapter 11, verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now he believed. He believed in the things not seen. He was brought up initially by his mum and dad, and they would have told him, no doubt, about the, the covenant that God had made with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, how that they were God's people and God was going to provide a land for them. And after a period of being in Egypt, they would be taken out of this land and brought into the promised land. Moses believed all this. He was part of that covenant community. And this is what drove him on. He believed. But surely, when it says, for had respect and the recompense of the reward, he was even looking further on than even the promised land. Because as you will know, he didn't get into the promised land. But he had a, a respect about that award or that reward that waited. And therefore, we're inclined to believe that Moses looked beyond the promised land. And to the ultimate 
promised land, even to heaven itself. And it was faith that motivated him. It was faith that drove him. It was faith in the word of God, faith in the God who is able to fulfill what he has promised. Although it would be difficult, although it would seem impossible, nevertheless, Moses had confidence because he had confidence ultimately in God. Now what a task he had. The task that was given to Moses was no light task. He was going to be the one who would take the people out of Egypt, some two, two million people, take them out into the, the wilderness there for around 40 years. An incredibly difficult task he was given. But he had confidence because he had faith and he believed him who was invisible. This has still relevance to us today. Did not the Lord Jesus Christ say to his disciples when he sent them out to preach the gospel? Did he not remind them of the cost of being a Christian? What does he say in Matthew's chapter 19, verse 29, for instance? And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. This is not really what we find enacted here by Moses 1,500 years before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ at least. He turned his back upon everything that was familiar to him, everything that was pleasurable to him, everything that would have made life easy for him. He turned his back and threw his lot in with God's people believing the wonderful and glorious promises that God has made to his people and that he's able to fulfill his word and not one word of the Lord shall drop to the ground. Well, that's Moses and that is the kind of faith that we're to have. And if you remember why this book was written, it was written to encourage Hebrew Christians that they might take uh, some encouragement from one of their Old Testament heroes. Here they were, they were being persecuted. Here they were, they were being denied the temple and the means of grace, and they were being separated from their families, and they wouldn't be able to work because of their allegiance to Christ. And here was someone who, in many respects, had done exactly the same over 1,500 years ago. Moses turned his back, and yet he did it all by faith. It's exactly the same for the Christian. The world is still as hostile as it ever was to Christ and his cause. 
It's never easy to take up the cross, but we can do it. But it's only by faith. It's only by believing. And it's only by believing day after day upon Jesus Christ, the Lord. Someone has said, and it's a good quote, the power of the world operates on our senses. What we can see, what we can taste, what we can handle, what we can smell. The power of the world to come operates on faith. Faith, believing upon the living God, believing upon what he has said, believing although the path may be difficult and the path may seem impossible, yet with God all things are possible. Moses chose the imperishable, saw the invisible, and did the impossible. And it's by faith. And this chapter here, therefore, and Moses is part of it, is encouraging us to go on by faith, believing the promises, looking unto him, for he endured as seen him who is invisible. Have we a choice to make then? Is there something in our life? Moses, if you like, came to some kind of crossroads. He had to clearly mark out where he stood. He did. He sided with afflictions. He sided with the people of God. He looked for that glorious reward that's before all the people of God. He put the world behind him. Friends, it's the same today. There's no easy way to be a Christian. A choice to be made. May the Lord bless his word to us.